Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys. Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. You gotta love that, right? <laughs> By the way, I've been told there's a white pickup in the parking lot with his lights on and doors locked, and uh, we can't change the oil. We can't even turn the lights off, so uh, if that's yours, unless you have a diehard battery, you might want to get to it. You know, I was sharing this with uh, Bible study on Sunday night. Um, this, this actually, these are actual responses from comment cards. You know, comment cards are kind of big today. You know, if you have a business or whatever, you want to get feedback from your customers. But these are from comment cards given to the staff at the Bridger Wilderness area back in 1996. These are actual. These are what people wanted after they went through this, this park. They said, trails need to be wider so people can walk while holding hands. That was one of them. Trails need to be reconstructed, another wrote. Please avoid having trails that go uphill. <laughs> Too many bugs, leeches, and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to get rid of all these pests. Chairlifts need to be in some places so that we can get to wonderful views without having to hike to them. And my personal favorite... The coyotes made too much noise last night and kept me awake. Please eradicate these annoying animals. <laughs> a small deer came into my camp and stole my jar of pickles. Is there any way I can get reimbursed? Please call. There's the number. Escalators would be a help on steep uphill sections. And for some of you, this would be yours. A McDonald's would be nice at the trailhead. And I won't say anything about hair color or anything on this next one, but it says the places where trails do not exist are not well marked. And the final one was too many rocks in the mountains. What turns us into that? What, what turns us into people that are always whining about stuff not being right? And I can do it just like anybody else. You know, I go to McDonald's, and if I have to wait too long in line, I start getting annoyed by that. Anybody else? I mean, don't raise your hand. But is there anybody like that? I mean... It's like McDonald's, fast food. But if I walk in there and I see this long line, I did it just this week. I mean, I walked in, saw the line, turned around, walked right back out, got to my car. And I was just upset about that for a full 45 seconds at some point. That McDonald's has the nerve to not have enough people in place so that the lines don't have to be long. Or, you know, you go to a movie and, and the first thing that comes out of your mind when you, when, or in your mind when you walk out of the movie was, did I like it? How would I rate it? Was it worth the money? Was the acting good? Was the script good? What is it that turns us into people that want the me restaurant or the me 
movie or, as you saw, the Me Church. What makes us like that? Well, the answer is pretty simple. It's just simply this. It's an absence of purpose. No purpose. You say, well, Mark, you have a purpose when you go to McDonald's. No, you don't. It's not to eat. It's to, it's to recreationally eat. I mean, for one thing, it can't be to eat too much because have you ever looked at what we eat when we go to McDonald's? I mean, I've been eating Big Macs ever since I've been a kid, and they're all the same. And, you know, you just look and you say, what am I eating this stuff for? We just kind of go there recreationally. What is it that turns people like you and me from, you know, wise people to complainers or people that say, I like this or I don't like that? It's just simply this. It's the absence of purpose. And that's what's infiltrating not only McDonald's and culture and business It's also affecting churches because people whine in churches all over the world today. I like this. I don't like this. This is me. This is not me. It's an absence of purpose. No purpose. People are going to church for basically, and this is is almost heretical in some circles, but it's true. People are basically going to the same church for the same reason they go to McDonald's. We say we go to McDonald's to eat, but we're really going to recreate. We say we're going to church to please God, but really we're going for some sort of recreation. And if 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 it doesn't make me feel good, then I'm going to complain about it. It's an absence of purpose. I, uh, I'm like you, I watch the news, and I watch cable news sometimes, and, and I, I watch these Marines over in Iraq and Afghanistan who are, who are being interviewed. And one thing about these Marines, I mean, they're going through brutal climate conditions, some of them in, in conditions of 120 degrees, and they're covered with pack and regalia and gear, and they're out there serving people who oftentimes, the very people they serve may have a bomb to hurt them or destroy them, and they're away from their families. They're away from the people that, that they love. But, you know, you look at these Marine guys and, and, when you, and Marine girls, and when you listen to them and they talk about why they're over there, they're glad to be there. It's an environment that none of us would choose. There are circumstances and situations that, would, that we, we would find very difficult today. I, I dare say there's probably not very many of us who would be willing to be transferred out of this comfortable sanctuary that we're in today and moved to Iraq or Afghanistan, if somebody walked in today and said, I'm looking for volunteers to leave the life you're living right now and go to Iraq and serve as a Marine or as an Air Force uh, soldier or an Army soldier, I I dare say very many of us would raise our hands and say, okay, I'm ready to go. Maybe some, but probably not many of us. Why is it that these men and women over there in the Navy and the Air Force and Marines and the Army, why is it that they speak up and say, we're glad we're here, we're willing to make these sacrifices? It is because they know they have a purpose. And when you have a purpose, you stop the whining. And I stop whining. If I don't have a purpose, I whine. If I have a purpose... I'll go without lunch. I'll stand in line. I'll be, I'll be in a situation of discomfort. I can have my feelings hurt as long as I have a purpose. The moment that purpose evaporates, I whine like everybody else. That is why I've asked us to take a good look at the church in this series. In this final, final sermon of the series, I want to take us back to what our purpose is. Because if we don't know what it is that we're trying to accomplish as a church... 
we'll be just like the people in the video, the me church. I want this, I want that. And we know those are all humorous situations, but I can guarantee you, as pastor, I could write my own list of what I hear that people want in the me church. I want us to understand that we have a purpose today, and our purpose is this. We are to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ, to grow deep so that they can produce fruit for the kingdom of God. See, the idea is we are already fruitful. Those of us who know Jesus Christ, we're all about getting people in in these doors who don't know Jesus Christ. Why? So that they can make a connection with Jesus Christ. And so through the teaching of God's Word, as we connect up with God and worship, and God connects down with us through His teaching, those people will grow strong, and then they will go out and bring other people in here so that they can make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and grow deep so that they can produce fruit for the kingdom of God so that they'll get people in who will go and do the same thing. That is what the church ministry is supposed to be. That's our purpose. But have you ever thought about what that's going to involve? I'm asking you, as members of this fellowship, to walk out of your comfort zone, to be willing to see this as your purpose, not just, not just my purpose as pastor, but all of us, all of us who attend these worship services here at Messiah, the three today, all of us who attend these worship services will see that my purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ. Now, somebody's going to look at that and say, you know, Mark, i got to tell you right now, out of the box, there's two things about this that bother me. When you, You've been asking me to think about volunteering and getting involved in ministry. Two things that come to me. Number one is, I don't think I can do it. The idea of helping somebody make a connection with Jesus Christ, whew, that's so way over my head. I don't think I can do it. And beyond that, I don't think I'm worthy. You ever feel that way? I mean, last week I asked you to look at four different types of ministries that are in our church, and these are sort of open-door ministries where you could get involved right now, and somebody could look at that, and maybe you took those home last week, and you just say, Mark, I've looked at this, and I don't think I'm worthy to put my name on this list. Well, with all these things in mind, I'd like to call your attention back to the New Testament, to a, a verse that Jesus gave us. It's probably one of the most misunderstood verses in all the Bible, but hopefully when this service is over today, you and I will have a clearer understanding of what it's all about. It's in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, and verse 20. Jesus had been talking to his disciples, and, and, and they were upset because somebody came to them, a family came to them with a boy who was in a lot of trouble, and the disciples uh, were there, and, and the people asked them if they would perform this miracle, and the disciples couldn't do it, and finally Jesus had to come and do it. And after all the smoke had cleared, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, them, said to them, I assure you, even if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Now, I've heard this verse, memorized this verse ever since I was a child. Jesus is saying, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to a mountain, move, and it would move. Now, my first problem with this verse is I have never seen a mountain move. Have you? I have never seen anybody move a mountain. So my issue with this verse is somewhat problematic because I've never really seen anyone do the specific physical act that Jesus was talking about. But what we need to understand was that Jesus was not talking about a specific physical act. He was not indicating that their chore was to move mountains. The issue was a boy that had been brought to them who was in a lot of trouble that they could not help. That was the kind of thing he had called them to. 
He had not called them to push mountains from one location to the other. He had called them to help people and to to change people's lives that were in trouble. He used moving mountains there as a metaphor, but in effect what he was saying is if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could have a positive effect on this young man's life and anybody else who comes to you who is hurting or who is in trouble. Now, here's my question. If you listen to Jesus' statement, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be moved, and it would move. At this point, who or what moves the mountain? I've seen plaques that were takeoffs on this verse, you know, in knickknack stores or at the Cracker Barrels or whatever. I've seen this statement that says, faith moves mountains. Does faith move mountains? No. Faith, faith doesn't move mountains. See, here's the thing. Faith is only as good as the object of your faith. I mean, I could have faith in this chair right here. And I, can, I mean, I could have all kinds of generic faith that this chair could move mountains. But at the end of the day, the chair is not going to move any mountains because faith itself cannot move mountains. So it's not that you can have some sort of generic strong faith that you can generate this internal quality of faith and it's going to make good things happen. That's not what God is saying. Is God saying that you can move a mountain? Or that I can move a mountain? No. Beloved, only God can move mountains. Just like these disciples found, only God could help this boy who had this demon spirit in him. Only God can move mountains. Now here, you say, Mark, what are you getting to? This is what I'm getting to this morning. When I say our purpose here at Messiah Baptist Church is to help people make an eternal connection with God and with others to grow strong, to produce fruit for the kingdom of God, I want to tell you right now out of the box, only God can do that. Are we aware of that today? I mean, even if we put everything we have into it, at the end of the day, only God can do that. Only God's Holy Spirit can draw people to His Son. Only God can make people aware of who Jesus is. God has to turn the lights on in their soul and spirit before they can recognize who Jesus is. Only God can do those things. I mean, it's not like we can have some sort of class or we can create some sort of situation that will connect people to God. What we can do, and I've been saying this all along, what we can do is create environments. But at the end of the day, we cannot connect people with God. Only God can do that. But now let's go back to that verse for just a moment because, see, Jesus was involving the disciples. He didn't say to them, okay, guys, get out of the game. Don't worry about this. Out of the pool. I'm the one. I'm the only one who can move mountains. Notice that he said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be removed, and it would remove. Now, that's what's getting interesting to me as I close out this series because only God can do the supernatural, but now God is inviting these disciples to get involved in the situation. That is what the church is about. See, God is asking us to get involved in stuff that only He can do. That's why coming here this morning is bigger than going to McDonald's, bigger than going to a movie. That's why it's bigger than anything that we might be entertained with. God has been inviting us to get involved in His work of supernaturally changing lives. And I'm not trying to be... I'm not trying to be negative about this. But I just don't think the average church has a clue about this. I'm not even sure I had a clue about it for a long time. I knew these things biblically. But for the church to step across the line. See, here's the thing. 
When I ask you to get involved in this ministry, what I'm asking you to do is to express faith. The power of faith is this. Faith connects you with the God who can do the supernatural. And at the moment that you step across that line from inactivity and being a customer, and you step across that line to get involved with God, you have expressed faith, and faith, the Bible tells us, is the catalyst for seeing God work and move mountains. Now, Here's the thing. Last week, I asked you to contemplate getting involved in ministry. And this morning in your worship folder, you still have a synopsis of those ministries where you could get involved. Now, this is just a starting point because there are probably 100 ministries here in the church. If you don't see something that is something that you enjoy there, perhaps you can keep exploring and we'll help you find a place where you can serve. But now here's the thing. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9, For we are fellow workmen, joint promoters, laborers together, with and for God. Now, some of you took that home last week and you thought, you know, I'd like to do this, but I don't think I can. Maybe I'm too busy. Uh, Maybe I just don't know how to do it. Or most of all, maybe I don't feel worthy to do this. Remember this, that anytime you step forward to do a ministry for the Lord, you become a fellow workman, a joint promoter, a laborer together with and for God. Now, i got to tell you, whenever you step forward to the Lord's work, it's not going to be easy. There will be challenges to it, and there will be difficulties. But the joy is in being able to work together with the Lord, to be able, through His power, to do the supernatural. As I close out this sermon this morning, I want to take you to the book of Romans. So if you can find Romans this morning, if you can't, it's okay. This will be on the IMAX screen. I'd like to look at a section in Romans that has a whole lot to say about serving the Lord. Now... Interestingly, the book of Romans chapter 12 begins with a particular verse that many of us have memorized. I memorized it in the King James. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a what? A living sacrifice. So God is telling us he wants us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. We've had the joy of a lot of weddings here at Messiah. And and, uh, one wedding I had recently... <clears throat> the bride had a difficult time blowing out her candle. And uh, I, I, was, I was thinking about that. I thought about what a difficult sometimes times I have blow, blowing out my candle. Because, see, serving the Lord is like the unity candle. Jesus and you unite together and you become a team. But sometimes I have a hard time blowing out my candle because I want to retain my identity. But the Bible tells us this, that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord. Now, in the same chapter... We have this marvelous text beginning in about verse 6. The Bible says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. You see that? Isn't that great? You know, one of the things that I find here at church sometimes, I um, I have an envy of people who have gifts I don't have. I see people sometimes who have such great gifts to serve or great gifts of helps. And I can become envious of them, but that's not, the, that's not the focus, perhaps, that God is giving me. I'm still to serve, I'm still to help, but that's probably not the primary gift that God has given me. God has given me the ability to communicate. But the Scripture tells us this, every one of us here, verse 6, God has given each, that means every one of us, the ability to do certain things well. That's true. I could walk up and down these rows today, these pews, and talk to you. Even if I don't know you, within a few minutes, I would probably know what it is that God's given you the ability to do well. 
Now, here's the thing. You'll either take those things and use them completely for yourself or for your friends. Or you'll take those things and say, wait a minute. God has given me these abilities for something bigger than this life. God's given me these gifts to do his work. So let's go back to verse 6. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out when you have faith that God is speaking through you. If your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Stand on the side of the good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring other, each other. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. As I close out the Connect series, that's what it's all about. It's about serving the Lord with enthusiasm. Taking the things that you do well, leveraging them, and using them for the Lord's work and for His kingdom. And you know, here at the church, we're always going to have a need. It could be that what you want to do may not be what we have a need for right now. And it may, may involve some adjusting and some saying, well, you know what? This may not be what I want to do most, but I do want to do this, and the church has a need for it, because those two things have to come together. The church's need and your gifts must come together. But when that happens, something powerful and marvelous takes place because God begins to open the door of possibility. I want to close the series today with the words from verse 12. The Bible says, Be glad for all God is planning for you. Are you, are you willing to do that today? Are you willing to be glad for all that God is planning for you? Because He is planning something. For, if you're part of this ministry, if you're part of this fellowship of faith, God is planning something for you here. God has a purpose in you being here. I, I don't, there's not a single purposeless person here who's part of Messiah. Every one of you has a reason for being here. And if you are here in this work and your heart is here and you're not a consumer, but you have a purpose here. I mean, it's not like you're standing in line at McDonald's. You're like the soldiers in Iraq. If you have a purpose in being here, then I challenge you today. Be excited about what God is planning for you. God may take you down a different avenue than you thought. Maybe what you wanted to do is not what God's going to take you to do. I've had that in my life. I mean, so many times in my life, I've thought I could see where God is going to take me. And then God will change everything and take me in a brand new direction. But here, as I stand here before you, having pastored in this church for 20 years, I have to tell you I'm excited for what God is planning in this church. And a lot of you jumped the gun last week. All I asked you to do was to explore the possibilities here at the church. And we were overwhelmed by how many of you stepped forward and said, I'm ready to connect. But if you haven't done that yet, I'm going to ask you to do that today. I'm going to ask you to take that list of ministries and find a place to engage. I've waited all this sermon to say this. That engagement is faith. We make faith a mystical thing sometimes. Faith's not a mystical thing. It's just the ability, to, the wisdom to step across the line and say, count me in. I'm with you, Lord. I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to do something here. I'm going to trust you to do something in me that I can't do through myself. I just, I, I can't, I know this is the early service and I have a few extra minutes. 
one of the things that just breaks my heart about the modern evangelical church in America is that we have a raft of people who are students of the Bible, which is great, but they never leverage it. They never accomplish anything. And it's so tragic because so many people waste so much time in such a critical time frame. You're wiser than them. The Bible says being wise, maximizing the moments, seizing the moments, realizing that our time is short. We connect with Jesus Christ so that together as co-laborers with him, we can watch him do what only he can do. I see it every week. I get the stories. I get the emails. We get the response from television. I, I, I read stories of things that God is doing in people's lives, and I preach the sermons, and I look back and say, how did they get that out of this? I wasn't even talking about salvation, but they got saved. I wasn't even talking about families being restored, but their marriage was restored. How does that happen? It happens because God does things that are way beyond what we have the power to do. All God's asking for us is to yoke up with Him and to get connected. He'll do everything else. I'm asking for your help today. I'm asking for you to step across that line and to connect with this ministry so that God can do His work. Let's pray.